is definitely no shortage of drama in Sweden. All four games decided by a goal, and we got some thrilling finishes to recap. We will talk about that in the rapid fire. But first, we are going to return to an old topic. Are they for real? Or as I like to rebrand it, real or fake? We are going to talk about a pair of teams in the Pacific Division that didn't make the playoffs, but are hoping to change that narrative. Episode 388 of the Lace Mop Podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to Lace Em Up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. Where would you like uh, to start off in the uh, rebranded real or fake segment this week, Brett? Yeah, well, yeah, as you alluded to, I guess we can spoil it because uh, we'll talk about these two teams. Um, the Canucks and the Ducks are the two teams. They mm-hmm. just so happen to rhyme. The Kevin Bieksa teams. Yeah, yeah, good one. Good for Puktuku purposes there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Ryan Kessler. Uh, that's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in any case, um, I think we'll start with the Canucks just because um, I guess both teams have been on a losing streak lately, but I feel like they're 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 the more interesting team at the moment just because of because um, it's it seems like they're they're getting going still um, even still, um, and then we'll we'll go on to the Ducks as well, um, but yeah, I think I think I I do want to pat myself on the shoulder here because. Um, during our season preview, I did mention on both the Canucks and the Ducks that they might be sneaky, sneaky teams to look out for. Um, for the Canucks, it's like, oh, well, they, they really started to take off um, in the second half last year, and I could see it maybe happening again here, but who knows, because they kind of have gone through the same trajectory. And the Ducks, I kind of was alluding to the fact that like, oh, Dallas Eakins, he's out. He's going to, like, already they're a better team without Dallas Eakins. But, um, which is, you know, I was kind of right, but also I didn't expect this from either team um, so far. And, of course, the Canucks could fall and the Ducks could fall as well. Um, but in any case, um, the, we'll start off with the Vancouver Canucks. They're 12-5-1. They're second in the division, um, in the Pacific Division. Um they're also uh, third in the NHL, although you could argue that um, based on games in hand, the Rangers are probably better than the Canucks. But yeah. still, uh, I don't think many people would have had them even in the top five NHL teams at right. this point in the year. Um, what really actually started, like, you know, people were kind of noticing this was when they beat the Edmonton Oilers in the season opener, 8-1. to one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, of course, you never know with the season opener. Um, but, you know, it's just like, okay, maybe there is something here, even though it's just one game and whatnot. But then they proceeded to beat Edmonton the next um, next time um, on sat- on that Saturday, 4-3. Um, to three. However, they did lose to Philly and Tampa. Then they went three straight. They beat uh, Florida, which is no slouch, although Nashville and St. Louis um, are bad teams, I guess. Um, and then they lose to the Rangers. Um and then they go on a five-game winning streak. Um, they have, I mean, I guess they did beat Dallas and Edmonton and Ottawa in this run, which are, you know, good to great teams here. Although I guess Edmund, this was around when Edmonton and Ottawa were struggling. Um, and I, I don't know, like they also beat San Jose and Nashville. Um, although they beat San Dallas Jose. Dallas is a top-tier team in the West, though, to be fair. True, and they true. shut out the Stars as well in that game. Yeah, yeah, good point. And then they, they beat San Jose 10-1 to as well, so that was like a big yeah. one there. They lose to Toronto. Then they beat Montreal and the Islanders. And then just recently they lost to Calgary and they lost to Seattle. Um, however... What is interesting um, is there's like you know just the players that have really shown up, um, especially Elias Peterson. I mean, I think throughout the years I've I've had high praises for EP, um, and it looks like he's finally 
Like, this is his peak, basically, at this moment right now. Uh, he has 28 points in 18 games, and so does Quinn Hughes, um, and so does JT Miller. They all have 28 points in 18 games, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. Um, I think the biggest shock, though, is Brock Besser uh, leads the team in goals with 13. Um, I'm kind of like, I'm just happy for Brock Besser here, uh, just because he's, mm -hmm. um, you know, because for the last couple of seasons, he's kind of struggled. He kind of was underwhelming and all that stuff. He also had to, like, deal with his uh, father passing, and that was, and they were close and all that. And then this year it seems like, oh, okay, he's, like, back to what we thought he was. And he might even be better than what we thought he was. Um, yeah. So, so, there, so that I'm happy about, even though it's like, yeah, I guess he could have, like, like we all knew that Elias Pettersson's good. We all knew that Quinn Hughes is good and JT Miller is this good. Um, but we don't necessarily – we didn't necessarily know that Bar Brock Besser would come back to this. And I, I just like that. Um, aspect of it and I would assume he'll win the Masterton although I guess Sean Couturier um, would probably be um, in competition with him for that spot but um, either or I think that that was a um, it's, I'm glad that he's back um, from that standpoint um, also Philip Peronic um, 18 points in 18 games I didn't even realize that and I'm looking at this right now um, <laughs> Kuzmenko has 14 points. Um, Ilya Mikheyev, uh, when he's played, has 10 points in 14 games. Um, I think the other thing that we should mention is Thatcher Demko uh, might win the Vezina. If like the season ended today, he probably he would be a front runner for it. Um, he has um, he's eight and four. Um, he has a GAA of 2.22 and a save percentage of 926 um and and that's really good at considering like that has also been another reason why they haven't um been as and I, um they haven't been as like you know good throughout the years it's just the inconsistency although i guess i kind of can take that back because i'm looking at the stats here of all the goalies of the Vezina um and that he's eighth in GAA and his save percentage, he would be um, he's ninth in um, in save percentage. Although like a couple also, of also these... uh, the twelfth most shots faced in the league. Yeah, um, but I, I like I guess they're you know although like I'm looking here at like the the people on top of him. It's like yeah, Jeremy Swayman. Although he's played eight games, uh, Jonathan Quick is on here, so good for him. Uh, Charlie Lindgren, but like all those are technically backups. Um, Cam Talbot, Aiden Hill, and John Gibson have played more than 10 games. Semyon Varlamov is also on here. So I guess he would be fourth uh, for goalies that, um, in GAA, for goalies that have played more than 10 games. Um, and then on save percentage, let me see. Um, he would be one, two three he would also be fourth and save percentage for players that are goalies that have played um, more than 10 games um so so i i guess it isn't as bad but in any case i feel like he would be he also has two shutouts play. which uh, is near the top of the leaderboard in that right. department too so so yeah good on him as well obviously and um as an american i kind of want to mention the fact that quinn hughes jt miller thatcher demko and brock besser are all american um, just want to point mm -hmm. that out there, and I'll I'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, I guess you know it's interesting. I guess that when we talk about real or fake, as you alluded to here, um, it's like both both teams that we're about to talk about are in the Pacific Division, and yeah, there I, I think a lot is going to ride on the fact that San Jose is in the division, um, but also Edmonton. They're, they're now on a winning streak, or I guess they lost last night, but um, Edmonton could could go they're, off. They're at least looking better. They are looking better. Calgary looks like they're a, a bit of a mess as well. Seattle yeah. uh, Seattle did win last, uh, they've won two in a row now, but they, you know, they could make some noise. LA and Vegas seem to be the only ones that are, like, are pretty much locked in where it's like okay yeah they like, were good last they're, year they're not going anywhere yeah. exactly so um 
yeah, it's, it's basically like I could see this happening where the Canucks and the Ducks are battling out with each other. However, it's also very possible that like Edmonton gets it together and then they come back or Seattle gets it together and they come back. I feel like it's less likely that Calgary will figure it out and we're not even talking. We're going to completely ignore San Jose. Um, but um, but it seems like Vegas and L.A. are like the safest bet to make the playoffs right now, even though technically Vancouver is ahead of L.A. in the standings right now. Um, but yeah, I, I, to answer our own question here, I think the Canucks are for real, um, or real, um, but, you know, it's a long season. I, I think there is something to the fact that, like, Rick Tockett has, has put in this system that is clearly working, and he's a good coach. He was good in Arizona um, a few years ago, so it's, like, it's kind of good that it's, like, oh, maybe things are going to work out, but, of course, this is the Canucks we're talking about. They're, they're doomed to... <laughs> to go into a disaster at some point. Yeah, and I think uh, how ultimately they're going to respond to said disastrous run is uh, going to determine a lot. Um, I was looking at Thatcher Demko's um, power play uh, shots against. Uh, when the team goes on the power play, how many shots they get on Vancouver's net. And uh, he is sixth, I believe, in penalty and in, uh, in power play shots against faced. Uh, and he stopped 60 of 67 so far this season. One of the reasons why, although I would argue that most of it isn't Thatcher Demko's fault, but he had a rough start to last year. And he's more than made up for that this year. Uh, in the second half of last year, even when he came back from injury, um, he was looking dynamite. And you look at shots faced, uh, save percentage, goals against average, it all looks clear as crystal dominant. And just looking at Vancouver's uh, shorthanded rates, the times they've been shorthanded, they're actually middle of the pack. So while their penalty kill doesn't look good, at least they're not putting themselves in those situations where they have to kill penalties. Um, the the more middle of the pack or the lower the uh, amount of um, penalty kill ice time is, uh, the better, I would argue, for a team. Whereas you look at a team like, uh, for example, um, the Montreal Canadiens. They have uh, been shorthanded 78 times this year, which is uh, the most in the league. Uh, you look at uh, teams like Detroit and Buffalo with... Um, you know, a lot of offensive weapons up and down the lineup. Detroit is third in terms of uh, time shorthanded. Uh, Buffalo is fourth in that category. Colorado is surprisingly fifth. Uh, Vancouver, I believe, out of the 32 teams is 16th. So they're right in the middle with uh, Toronto, New Jersey, a bunch of other teams. Uh, so they're, they're a middle-of-the-pack team uh, in that regard. Um, the other thing that I've noticed is Vancouver playing ahead, not playing behind. Um, when I think of Vancouver last year, they struggled to get momentum and build on top of that momentum. And if you look at uh, the Vancouver Canucks of this year, they're 6-2-0 when they have a lead after the when they have a lead after the first. 10 times this year they've had a lead after the second period. They are a perfect 10-0 in those games when they lead after 40 minutes as well. So they're getting those good habits and um they're they're not really getting caught in those dangerous uh, situations as, as much when i do look at vancouver from an individual point of view you're talking about how good jt miller has been and how good elias pearson in a contract year has been and how good quinn hughes has been all 28 points in 18 games JT Miller with 11 goals, Elias Pearson uh, with eight, Quinn Hughes with seven. By the way, I, I was sorry, just to cut you off for a little bit, I, I was just looking at the points leaders, and they're all tied for first in, in the points lead right now. So You took the words right out of my mouth. Oh, oh. And their, their plus minus is also looking nice. Quinn this Hughes is, plus 14, yeah. JT Miller plus 10, Elias Pearson plus three, which, uh, you know, when you consider JT Miller and uh, – 
the amount of frustration that was building uh, last year, yep. um, that plus minus wasn't looking nearly as nice. Um, the other thing that I should point out about the Canucks is while their penalty killing has, you know, not been as active as, you know, a team like Montreal or Detroit, um, their penalty killing percentage still isn't great, which I think they need to improve upon. Um, the other thing that I kind of question whether or not it's sustainable at this level is their power play. Um, it's running at over 30% right now, um, which unless you're the Edmonton Oilers of last season, um, I don't know how you can keep that up for a full season. And mm -hmm. I would argue last year's Edmonton Oilers were an outlier in that department. Um, if I'm looking at Vancouver and guys that need to pick it up, as we often do uh, during previous iterations of this segment, we were talking about a guy like Andre Kuzmenko as Brock Vester was struggling as, man, what a good addition for the Canucks. And while he does have 14 points in 17 games, only three of them have been goals. So if you're wondering where Brock Besser is getting all the goal scoring from, well, guys like Andre Kuzmenko are not filling the back of the net at the moment. Mind you, uh, his ice time is uh, down there compared to Besser. Besser is averaging 18.52. In the case of Kuzmenko, it's 15.27. And um, in terms of power play points, uh, both are around the same pace. And Brock Besser almost has half of his goals on the power play. Um, so the importance of special teams there is is kind of interesting. For Mikheyev, he's also chipped in with six goals in 14 games. That's pretty good. Depth scoring. Tyler Myers, um, nine points in 18 games. Um, Post-Buffalo, that's pretty freaking good. Um, you also look at a guy like uh, Sam Lafferty, seven points in 19 games. Or, sorry, 18 games. Um, for, for his standards, I would say that's impressive. Um, I would say the two X factors um, that can make this team even better than what they are now um, is one, Connor Garland, who had uh, apparently submitted a trade request or rumblings were that he was maybe looking for a new home. Um, he hasn't been as effective in terms of point scoring, only five points in 18 games this year. Supposedly, um, he, if he uh, can pick that up, that would probably be better. And there's also Anthony uh, Bovillier, who they got yep. in the Bo Horvat trade. He has only six points in 18 games. Supposedly, Garland uh, rescinded that trade request once the Canucks. Started. Oh, well, that's good. So <laughs> um, maybe that's why. But uh, yeah, you do bring up a good point, though, the fact that he's like uh, he's not having a great season still. But yeah. Also, if you want a former Bruins update, Jack Stanika has played in five games, has a goal, and that's all he's done. Yeah, yeah, I figured. Um, in any case, so so do you think they're real or fake? Actually, I hate that phrase. Let's say, are they for real? <laughs> I'm sorry. I know, I know you wanted me to um, use that, but I think I think the Canucks are a playoff team. Okay, but I have trouble thinking that they're this good. I yeah, think a lot is a, a lot of it uh, in the quote of Nickelback feels way too damn good. Mm -hmm. And there is going to be some sort of a lull. Um, yeah. But I do think they are good enough to be a playoff team. I think they can outlast Seattle, uh, maybe even the Edmonton Oilers, even though they're playing like it. But yeah. there's there's a lot of teams down down uh, the food chain right now in the Western Conference that I don't think will be able to catch up to Vancouver if they keep playing it at even like an above 500 rate. I think they'll be able to outlast many of the teams that are trailing them. Yeah, there's still like five months left to play. So um, yeah, I guess that's that's totally it, it's fair. it's a long year. As exactly. we know. Um, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I, I could see I feel like though it's like they they do have they are on such a hot streak right now that they do have enough goodwill that at the very worst they'll be a wild card team but of course it's like this is the like this is the Vancouver Canucks we're talking about this is like the most inconsistent team in the last <laughs> couple of years so it's like there's definitely a chance that they're going to like fall apart in January or something like that and like completely Well it's, lose it's it. funny you should mention their schedule again yeah. um because we talked about their first little bit. I'm just looking at their schedule for this week. They face the Sharks two more times, oh, which wow. means they'll only have one more game against the Sharks for the rest of yeah. the year after this week. They also get Seattle again. Yeah. In the middle of all that, uh they're taking on the Anaheim Ducks before November ends. They also mm -hmm. get Vegas and Colorado. 
uh, before we get to December 1st as well. Um, and you get teams like New Jersey, Carolina, Tampa Bay, Florida in uh, yep. the month of December. Oh, their final game against the Sharks is before Christmas. Yep. So they'll have no games against San Jose in the second half, which is very inconvenient uh, for Vancouver. So they're probably going to get a lot of freaking good teams in the second half. A lot of teams, by the way, right. at that point will realize we have X amount of games to make as much ground as we can or, you know, they think they have an outside chance of making the playoffs. Um, there's going to be a lot of competitive games that uh, Vancouver is going to be in the middle of as we get to the second half. So mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, if you're thinking about, okay, what are the Vancouver Canucks, maybe by the end of January, we'll have a better idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, I guess you could say that about like every team, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. you're not wrong. Yeah. But especially, like you say, with a team this inconsistent, you know. Right, right, right. For sure. Um, okay. Um, yeah. I, and also, before we move on, I I do love the fact that after years of you spoiling things for me in terms of like uh, saying things uh, before I can, I'm glad that I finally sniped you on a fact. Um, with the, okay. Well, the how about this? How about this? Uh, March 2024, Brett. Can you guess? Uh, what the the Vancouver Canucks are about to play their longest homestand of the entire campaign. Guess how long that homestand is. How long their homestand is, the longest one. Um, you probably yeah, March 2024 is their longest homestand. How long do you think it is in terms of games? You probably wouldn't mention this if this was short, but you might not mention it if it was long. Um, I'm going to say, I don't know, five nine game homestands wow okay starting march 9th against winnipeg ending march 31st against the ducks wow okay i mean the, the, i don't think i've seen a homestand that long in a long time yeah that's crazy um i almost said 10 and then i realized like oh that might be too much <laughs> if only i went apparently not yeah <laughs> um so okay uh well you got me there i guess all right fun um, we, we got each other. Yeah. Fun. Um, okay. So uh, we're moving on to the Anaheim Ducks. Um, full disclosure, uh, we were actually going to do this type of episode uh, before last week, but then um, Woodcroft got fired. So then we had to, uh, you know, change, change last second, basically. Um, but the reason why I tell you that is because we were planning on talking about the Ducks because they were an exciting team. But then... They lose to Pittsburgh. They lose to Philly. Uh, they do beat San, uh, San Jose and Nashville, and I'll get to why we covered them in the first place. Um, but then they lost to Colorado and Florida. So they're back to, like, struggling and being, like, a, a mediocre team here. But the reason why... They I, also had a terrible third period against the Avs. They gave up, like, yeah. I think five goals in that game. And yeah, lost eight to they two. lost eight to two there, so that's not great. Um, but... Um, I do want it. The reason why we're even bringing them up here is because they started the season. Yeah, they lost to Vegas, but they did beat Carolina six to three. So that's something. They do lose to Dallas. They do lose to Arizona. They do lose to Boston. Those are tough teams. So, or Arizona, I guess, is is better, but they do lose to those three teams. Um, but then they go on a six game winning streak. However, they beat uh, Boston in like this thrilling overtime game, which I was, um, it's funny because as, as anyone on the show knows, like Anaheim is kind of my Western Conference team here and they're my, I've adopted them. So that was one of those moments where I was happy for the Ducks, but also angry at the Ducks because they beat my favorite team um, in the Bruins. Cause that was one where they like, um, it looked like they kind of turned a corner um, they, um, because think like, like the last, like there was a minute left. It looks like the ducks were going to lose. And then Leo Carlson and Troy Terry go off. They tie the game. Then it goes into overtime and Leo Carlson and Troy Terry go off again. 
and and then they you know they beat the Bruins and at that point that was the first team to beat the Bruins um so it's like okay maybe there is something here or maybe they're they're kind of doing working on stuff um they also beat Philadelphia although they've Philadelphia has been better than what we thought they would be but they beat them um seven to four uh, they beat Pittsburgh. Uh, they're struggling, but I think that was another come-from-behind win. Uh, they beat Arizona in OT. And then the other one that we should talk about, they beat Vegas. That was another come-from-behind win. Um, right now, it seems like Boston and Vegas are the best teams in the league. So it was just impressive that they were able to uh, surprise both Boston and Vegas and, and beat them. And it was a similar game for them as well. Um, so they, they're, they're kind of like a sneaky team. Um, the reason why I also wanted to bring them up here is that like when I tell you like, oh, the Ducks are actually better than what they thought you thought they were, you would think that that would mean that Trevor Zegers and Troy Terry would be the team leaders here. But no, mm-hmm. it's Frank Vetrano with 17 points, uh, Mason McTavish with 16 points, and Ryan Strom with 14 points. To Troy Terry's credit, he has 12 points right now. Um, but he hasn't been at, like, it, it, I feel like he hasn't been the same yet. We'll get to Trevor Zegers in a second. Um, the other thing, uh, Pavel Minchikov, it looks like he low-key might be a Calder candidate here. It's I mean, it looks like Connor Bedard is pretty good. But uh, Pavel Minchikov also looks pretty good, too. Um, he has 10 points in 17 games, so they might have found, like, a I mean, I guess Minchikov was a top 10 pick, but um, it looks like they might have found um, something very, very good in, in Minchikov. Um, they also, Cam Fowler has 10 points as well. Adam Henrique has nine points in 16 games. I do want to mention Leo Carlson. There's kind of like an interesting scenario here with him um, that we should devote some time for. because um, So he gets injured um, at scrimmage. Um, just before the season starts. Mm-hmm. And then he takes like maybe a week off or whatever. Um, and then he looks really, really good um, once he starts playing. He was on Zegris and um, Troy Terry's line, he's which is the top line. And that's pretty cool. Like, just like, oh, that just shows how much they, they want Leo Carlson to succeed. Because if you remember, he was drafted um, um, just like four, four months ago or in June. Um, and in any case, then he, he plays well again um, in the next game. And then you hear, and then as I alluded to, like he was very involved in the comeback against the Bruins. So then you start to think like, oh, so Leo Carlson, and it's going to be Connor Bedard and Leo Carlson for the Calder this year. However, Pat Verbeek had mentioned that they are going to limit Leo Carlson's time where every few like like he's gonna miss one game a week basically um and uh just because like when he was in uh the SHL last year he played like 40 games and uh they don't want to like they want to kind of like slow burn him into the league so they're trying to help him out um and this kind of caused some controversy just because it's like this does is this isn't a usual way to develop a player. Um, however, it's like um, you find out that both Leo Carlson and his agent um, have said that they are cool with this and they understand what Pat Verbeek is doing. I assume Greg Cronin, the coach, is also okay with it, which is a little strange. That like the only thing that is a kind of strange is that Pat Verbeek was mentioning this type of thing, where it's like usually that would be the coach's decision or whatever. But it seems like um, Greg Cronin's also okay with this. It seems like the player's okay with this. And it seems like Pat Verbeek is okay with all this stuff as well. Um, but it's just like, clearly this guy can play. Um, and then mm-hmm. uh, Pat Verbeek was saying is that after two months, um, they're going to reassess. And then they said that in the second half, he's going to be a quote-unquote horse, um, which, is, um, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, so, so maybe it's like if you have him, if, if he's uh, available on your, um, on your wire in fantasy hockey, pick him up in the second half. He's going to go off. Apparently he's going to be a horse. 
Um, He's but, averaging 18-18 per game yeah. in his first 11 contests, by the way. So, so and I think um, you might know better than I do, but I believe this is what happened with Steven Stamkos um, in his rookie year as well, um, where um, they kind of just limited his ice time, but it was mostly just because it's like, yeah, it's going to suck um, in the short term, but like you kind of can learn some stuff if they bench you or I'm, I assume like he's going to be weight training um, in his off days and whatnot. But um, it does. There's kind of, also this yeah. saying that watching um, a game from the broadcast booth, you can see things that right. you normally wouldn't be able to see on the ice and you can recognize, you know, the little yeah. things that make a big difference, maybe a bit better from that vantage point. Yeah, that's true. Too. I, I don't know how much of it is true or just a calmer way of saying, Hey, yeah. you're healthy scratch, but uh, don't worry about that. Just focus on the game from this way. Right, right, right. So uh, so what does kind of suck, and I, I don't know how much Leo Carlson cares about this stuff, is that if he played a full 82 games, he would be up there with Connor Bedard on the Calder vote. But, but now, like having said that, he has six goals in 11 games. That's really, really good. <laughs> eight eight mm -hmm. points. Um, in 11 games, and yeah, they're giving him a lot of time, as you alluded to. Um, so that's that's just like it's like a, I guess I can like I, the more I thought like at first I was like okay it's a little weird, but like it's like if the guy can play the guy can play, but at the same time I'm like, oh this could actually help him out long term. I don't like I remember in Johnny Goudreau's rookie year, um, he was struggling at the start, and then they healthy scratched him for like a game. And then after that, when they played him again, all of a sudden Johnny Gaudreau was what we what we thought he would be or what he turned out to be. Um, and um, so so I was thinking like, okay, maybe there there is something to this. Also, I was just thinking like, you know, eighty two games is a lot for someone who's eighteen years old and hasn't fully grown just yet. So I'm just like, mm -hmm. okay, so maybe there is something to that as well, but. It does. It, I I do feel bad for Leo Carlson just because it's like okay he's he's not getting he's not even going to be considered for a Calder, um, but he's also eighteen years old. That's right. pretty young, like to go into the NHL cold turkey and yeah. like learn on the fly like that. Not everyone can respond to it like a Connor Bedard can. Right, right. Although like Adam Fantilli has also been pretty good too, um, mm -hmm. as well, and he, they're giving him a lot of uh, time on ice as well. So. Yeah, I it mean, just there's takes a, a special yeah. breed, a special crowd to do that. For sure, and there's a, I, I guess all of that to say is that there's a reason why those three were the first three picks um, mm -hmm. in this year's draft. But yeah, and, and Neil you know, Carlson also takes faceoffs too. Yeah, which exactly. Is another part of his craft that you know he needs to learn. Right, right, right. I, I think, um, well, I mean, Bedard and Pantilli also take faceoffs too. <laughs> but yeah, yes. true. I'm just saying it's even tougher as a center. I got, got, got you. Yeah, yeah. To grasp. So. Yeah, yeah. In any case, um, I, I, I mean, I figured it's just like an interesting situation, so I figured I wanted to go in on that. But yeah, it's just, um, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, so I, I mentioned this as well that Trevor Zegris, um, it looks like he's injured right now, so maybe there, there is something to that. Also, like it took him a while to sign, so maybe there, um, maybe he's like, you know, uh, there is something to it. But he just got injured. He does have two points in 12 games, um, so um, so maybe when he gets healthy, that's going to be kind of when the Ducks are going to be scary, because if they're doing this without their best player uh, at 100%, it's like, okay, so now watch out once Trevor Segers really gets going. Um, and I also wanted to shout out before I bring it to you is Mason McTavish. Um, it, you know, I feel like, because like, Zegers and Troy Terry always get the most like buzz and as they should rightfully, but like we don't really talk mm -hmm. about Mason McTavish a ton. Um, and we should, um, he's, he's been really good this year, or it seems like this is going to be his breakout year last year. I guess he had 43 points, um, in 80 games, not great, but of course, like no one really stood out on the ducks last year, but yeah, this year he has 16 points in 17 games. Um, it looks like he's going to be a legitimate player uh, because he's also 20 years old right now. Um, so it's like, I like, um, oh, and I guess I should also mention the goaltending um, where 
so John Gibson, um, he's four and five. He has a 218 GAA though, and a 929 save percentage. So he's been better. Um, and I, I His guess, GAA was over four last year. Know, like exactly. to go from that to that is nuts. Yeah. Um, and uh, although Lucas Dostal's re- like stats don't look that um, amazing right now, because uh, he has a 3.78 GAA and a save percentage of 8.93. However, um, he is five and three. Um, so, um, and I think he was. Um, I think there was like a like I think a lot of those goals were that Colorado game that we were talking about. So, um, and you know, granted, it's like you know a growing curve in for young goalies. So you kind of give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that you're going to have bad games here and there and all that stuff. And that's going to mess up your, your uh, totals here. But, but yeah, at the same time, he's still been pretty good too. So um, yeah, I think the interesting thing about the Anaheim Ducks is that they're like, I feel like they're on the next stage of the, of the rebuild. It's like the pro like if I had to guess, I think they're going to, um, just missed the playoffs but compared to where they were last year it's like oh they they're like they're building on to something here um and i i like and it's like okay it looks like um mason mctavish has arrived it looks like you have something in leo carlson it looks like you have something in pavel minchikov and we haven't even talked about how olin zellweger isn't um isn't playing and he's going to be one of the best defenseman or he's like heralded as like a one of the better defensive prospects um in the nhl um or you know um so we'll see how he does uh once he's you know once he's in the league um and um and yeah if if you can get trevor zegris to get going it's like maybe maybe then they can might make the wild card um but um but yeah, I think I, I'm less enthused about the Ducks making it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they turn into the devils of the Western Conference. Um, yeah. I also think if you're the Anaheim Ducks, um, when you think about where this team is at the trade deadline, like what are you really going to add? Right. You're not in a position to add. You probably don't really want to add. You're still in the process of not necessarily, you know, going full rebuild, but you're starting to get out of the rebuild. You're not ready to part ways with young assets or draft picks, you know, to go all in and get these big name players. They're not there yet, but I think at the trajectory that they're at, they're a couple of years away from being that team that's ready to add and build on top of what's already a good core of energetic, fun to watch players. And um, just looking at the revitalization of John Gibson, he's faced the 25th most shots in the NHL. Last year was top five. Yeah. So his workload has already gone down. At the same time, when you look at... Uh, John Gibson in terms of saves by strength. Uh, in terms of uh, power play shots against, we talked about Thatcher Demko um, facing the sixth most. Uh, John Gibson is ninth on that list. Um, he has stopped 59 of 66 shots when the other team uh, has possession of the puck, launching the puck on net during uh, power play chances. So he's been pretty good on the penalty kill there. Uh, when I was also looking at um, the uh, penalty kill side of things on a team-by-team basis, I was looking at the Vancouver Canucks and how many times they were shorthanded. The Ducks have been shorthanded 76 times, uh, two uh, lower than Montreal, who was first. So they had the second most uh, shorthanded opportunities. That's not a stat uh, category you want to be in the top three. In terms of... Uh, in terms of penalty minutes overall, they are first with 241. In terms of uh, penalties drawn on the plus side, they've drawn 82, which is sixth most, but they've also taken 98, which shocker is first in the league. So their discipline is still a work in progress at this point. And um, while their record um, might be already better than, like you said, what it was, they're 9-8-0 in their first 17 games, negative three goal differential which you know isn't bad their power plays over 23 percent 
penalty kill at 81%. That's pretty good. But there are some outliers, like the shots for, shots against disparity. It's still 32.8 against to 28.84. Um, teams that are expected to win don't normally display those kind of numbers. Um, and like you said, uh, hard luck Gibson, uh, if, he, if he had luck, he had none at all. Because mm. despite lowering that GAA significantly and upping that save percentage significantly, he's still got a below 500 record and they're right. a game above 500. Yep. And it's, uh, like you mentioned, Lucas Dostal, despite posting significantly uh, worse GAA and save percentage, is, is five and three on the year. Yep. Um, so when I take a look at how the roster is constructed, uh, the plane in, that's in place, the teams that are behind them, the teams that are ahead of them, simply put, they're not catching Vegas. They're not catching um, a team like the LA Kings who are probably going to add significant pieces at the trade deadline. Because I do think the LA Kings, um, as constructed, are pretty good, but they can be better. And I think they will be better as we get closer uh, to late February, early March. And as those, you know, teams that are expected to do something start to add, the Ducks are probably going to be still right where they are. You're probably going to have Trevor Zegers back in the mix and hopefully doing better and hopefully healthy. And you're going to see, you know, Leo Carlson continue to make leaps and bounds and be that horse that Pat Verbeek uh, says he hopefully can be by the end of the year. Um, you would like Frank Vitrano to keep up his goal-scoring pace, but I don't know if that's realistic. I haven't seen him go on this uh, run of a, a goal streak um, in any of his seasons to date. So uh, I'm interested to see if 12 goals in 17 games, if that can be a theme for the rest of the year. Mason McTavish, I definitely think he's the real deal, but um, there's only so much at this stage in his career that you can ask of that guy. Uh, also, Ryan Strom, while he is good, 14 points in 16 games is also, you know, overachieving for him in terms of what we've seen in previous NHL campaigns as well. Um, and then, you know, you're just you're just hoping that uh, the rest of the guys from a depth perspective uh, can pick up the pace. Uh, like Jacob Silverberg, for example, five points in 17 games. He was at one point, you know, a top six forward. Adam Henrique, nine points in 16 games. Once upon a time, he was a top six forward. Yeah. Not really thought uh, of as highly these days. Uh, Cam Fowler looks pretty good with 10 points, but in terms of the hierarchy of NHL defensemen, I think he's one of the most forgotten American defensemen that are out there. Um, and Jamie Drysdale has also only played in two games this year too, and we've been kind of waiting for him to kind of blossom. If we're only in you know two games so far, uh, even if you get um, two assists in those two games and you're a plus two and you average 22-30 in those two games, you still only play two games. You've missed a healthy chunk of the season already. Hmm. Uh, so when when I think of uh, the Anaheim Ducks, I don't think, I, I, I struggle to think uh, that this team is real. I think they are kind of a mirage at this point in time. However... I think they will be above 500, and that's awfully good when you consider how bad the Ducks have been to watch lately. Yeah, it's incredible. I guess Dallas Eakins is like might be the worst coach of all time. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I, I he was good in the AHL, uh, yeah. just not in the NHL. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, do you know how many goals Frank Vitrano had last year? Seventeen. Twenty-two. So. That's still pretty respectable. Yeah, so like like you were saying, it's like, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to keep up the pace because I think at this point that would mean that he would have to be like 30, I think it's like 35 goals or something. So I don't think he's going to do yeah. that. But I, um, he's, you know, he's pretty respectable in terms of like a goal scorer now. So um, that might be good. But I think on that same point, it's like, so you do have a lot of young guys, um, on the team with Zegris, um, McTavish, uh, Carlson, Minchikov, um, Dostal as well. Um, and those guys are going to be your core for many years to come. But, like, I do think there is something to the fact of, like, yeah, Ryan Strom will probably cool off. Yeah, Frank Vitrano will probably cool off. And Adam Henrique will probably cool off. 
But there is something to like having those guys in your team, especially with a team that's full of young guys. Um, and even John Gibson as well. It's like you can have a bunch of these like mentor types on your team, even though it's like, okay, they might not be as good um, eventually, but there there is something there. Um, so um, also I should mention that the Ducks do play um, in three hours from this recording. So um, like the, the standings will probably change from, from when you hear this as well. Not sure if either of us have uh, mentioned it, but Alex Kalern has played seven games. I know he missed a bit yep. of time due to injury. Uh, still looking for his first goal, but he does have two assists. But Kalorn's another one where it's like, oh, yeah, he's like, yeah, I, I mean, I disagree with that contract that they signed, but um, he's yeah, another. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, but there is something to have those types of, guys, like, veteran guys in your on your on your team as well. So, I mean, I assume that's, like, why they were thinking, kind of you know. like, I know – people are probably going to disagree with me to high heaven about this, but kind of like when Ottawa brought in Matt Murray, Yep. like, you know, there's a fair amount of risk to bringing in Matt Murray at that time, but a veteran guy that has won Stanley cups that can help a young team kind of find its way. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. So there, there is something to that of just having that mix of like young guys and old guys. Um, so, so maybe there is something there, but yeah. We'll see. Mm -hmm. I, I think they're an exciting team or like like even if they don't yeah, make the play. They're watchable. Exactly. That's that's better than irrelevant. Yeah, and, and like I'm I'm just I'm just I know it's early in the season, but I was impressed that they were able like they just when they like gave up all these goals to Boston and Vegas, they didn't quit. And that's you know, that's yep. something. Because usually you know, it's like, yeah, everyone knows that those two are like very, very good teams. And there is something to that where it's like oh they might you know and now they have that reputation where it's like all right you never can count them out even though they yes they have lost their last two they're nine and eight right now but they might come back you know you never know so um so they they're starting to build that type of um resilient identity to them which is important in hockey obviously they also have a lot of cap space at their disposal yeah. in future seasons, which uh, is like Ottawa a couple of years ago. That's only going to help them moving forward. Which is kind of funny too, considering that they do have they overpaid on Ryan Strom, they overpaid on uh, Kilhorn, they overpaid on Gudis, yeah. <laughs> but like they, they still have a ton of cap space. Um, anyways. Um, yeah, so I, I guess we're both saying that they're not for real, but I think they're going to be sneaky, sneaky spoilers um, towards yeah, the end of keep the year. Yeah, keep your eye on them. Yeah, I mean, I like, as I've mentioned, like, this is my second team. I, I like, I love that they're an exciting team to watch now again. Although, granted, the, the main reason why I started to watch them was because I wanted to follow Trevor Zegers' career. So when he's out, mm -hmm. I'm not as interested, but I'm still like, all right, the Ducks might be pretty good still. Like, they're an exciting team, um, even still. It still hurts that they beat Ottawa in 07 to win the Cup. <laughs> I won't forget that. Okay. Um, yeah. Although, yeah, I was trying to think if there's, like, an... Oh, they have Jacob Silverberg um, on their team. Yeah, so they, can... they, they, have, um, they have more former Senators than uh, than people think. A rare one, Martin Gerber. He was on that uh, 03 oh, yeah. Ducks team that went to the finals. Yep. Again, another Puck Dooku helper out yeah. here um okay uh we now go to the rapid fire all right um so we're gonna start off with some sad news um it apparently milan lucic was arrested um uh, i think on saturday um and um it was for domestic abuse supposedly he got drunk he he might have had some painkillers he's also out like injured um so he wasn't even playing for the bruins but he got arrested um and supposedly according to the police reports he uh ended up choking his wife um in public before the police got involved um obviously this is not cool um the bruins have already suspended him indefinitely um he only had one more like he only had one more year left i assume this is it for him unfortunately I I obviously have mixed emotions with this. Like, first off, like obviously he can't do this, uh, but like there is like I always had a soft spot for Milan Lucic just for the countless years where I where he was on the Bruins and 
And then I was excited to see him back, even though I knew like he was never really the, he's not the same Lucic that he was. Um, but I guess there is something to the fact of like it's not surprising just because Lucic made his career based off of getting angry and beating up guys, and it shouldn't be surprising that he um, he has anger issues off the off the ice. Um, supposedly there might have been some drug issues as well, so. If that's the case, I hope he gets the help he needs, and obviously uh, prayers to the, um, his wife that he choked. Uh, it's not a great situation. <laughs> I can't stress that enough. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, it's an unfortunate situation, and uh, the Bruins are doing the right thing by just uh, suspending him indefinitely. I believe in second chances, um, but only if. Um the guy who's receiving the second chance uh, helps himself and others around him first. And uh, I don't think Milan Lucic is in a position to help out anyone. And I, he obviously needs to look after himself before he can do that. Um, I think it's going to take a lot of self-reflection yeah. and a lot of personal change, but I think it's change that's necessary. And I think he will come out of it on the other side um, because within that tough exterior, I, I do think there is, you know, a gentle giant yep. inside. Um, he just did a very bad thing and obviously needs to be held accountable and responsible for it and own up to it. Yep. Um, but I think somewhere down the line, um, he will take the necessary steps uh, to get better and he will get a second chance on the ice or off the ice. I think the Bruins are all in favor of, of second chances. They're a world-class organization. At the same time, though, um, I don't think he'll get any second chances anytime soon until, of course, he puts in the work. I mean, he might even go to jail or... Yeah, know, so. if, if that's if that's what it takes uh, to, yep. to wake him up, then, then, then that's what it takes. And obviously, yep. um, the, the law is, is separate from, you know... Right what the fans are, are hoping happens. For like sure. you, you break the law, you get punished. Um, I do, I actually, there was um, his rookie year. I, um, the Bruins were doing like this, like, like fan signing. Cause they were just unveiling their third jerseys. And I was in line for about like two hours. Uh, you, the whole team was there and I was looking forward to seeing Zdeno Chara and getting like, just like, cause I'm a tall guy. I was like, mm -hmm. I wonder how <laughs> my height difference here. Um, but anyways, I was in the cold. It was around this time, actually, in November. Um, and by the time I got inside, uh, there was only three Bruins left um, who were still signing jerseys. Um, it was Blake Wheeler, who was a rookie, another rookie at the time. Patrice yeah, Bergeron. I remember him with the Bruins, yep. yeah. Uh, Patrice Bergeron, who, uh, you know, is a, the guy. Um, or it's like, mm -hmm. that's like really cool. And Milan Lucic um, was also there. Um, so, um, so I yeah, Blake Wheeler and Patrice Bergeron, they signed my stuff. I didn't, like, I was too nervous to talk to Bergeron. Um, but, and I didn't really know Blake Wheeler at the time, so I was like, whatever. And then, I, so Milan Lucic was the last guy to sign it. Um, and I was just like, <laughs> ironically enough, I did have enough nerve to talk to uh, Lucic because I noticed that he had this like, um, like a, a tape on his fingers. Um, so I just mm -hmm. asked him like, oh, how did you get those the tape on your fingers? And he said like, I just got it in a fight. And he smiled at me. And I was like, <laughs> all right, this guy is a hockey guy. And I, and I loved him ever since. Um, but of course- Just got like, into a fight, yeah. smiles. Exactly. Yep, typical <laughs> no response. Like, I'm just like, all right, this guy, I like, <laughs> like he, he gets it, you know? And then it's like, and, and then I hear him all in these interviews, and I'm like, uh, like, you know, he seems like such a nice guy. But, uh, yeah, so now I'm just disappointed that that this happened, because it's like, of yeah. course, why am I surprised that the guy who smiles about getting into a fight <laughs> is, um, gets, uh, gets angry at stuff. So, anyways, um, we shall uh, talk about other issues here. Uh, Tage Thompson is out indefinitely. That's a huge blow for Buffalo. Although he was yep. struggling at the start of um, the season anyway, so maybe it's another Trevor Zegers situation where he was like, he was always like mending a, 
an uh, injury, and now it's just like, oh, okay, this is more serious. Um, but yeah, he's out indefinitely. Um, yeah, we'll see how the Sabers uh, react to this because they're they're losing their best player. Yeah, um, and if you look uh, down the standings, the Sabers are, are near the bottom. Uh, Tate Thompson has six picked it up with twelve points in sixteen games, but obviously that injury uh, taking him out of a Buffalo lineup that, of course, is loaded offensively. And um, you know, as as we mentioned many times before, how Jeff Skinner has kind of revitalized his career on Tate Thompson's line. Um, it'll be interesting if um, if uh, a tide is going to sink. Uh, this series of uh, Sabres ships. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I guess, yeah, they've been, the Sabres have kind of been disappointing lately. Like, I thought they would be kind of... I was pretty high on them. Yeah, same. So, I, I mean, maybe it has more to do with just the goaltending. I thought, like, maybe Levi was was going to be ready right away, but I guess that's not true, and we shouldn't be surprised by that either. But It's just, it's not yeah. even the fact that Buffalo's record is bad. They're 7-9-1, which, right. you know, obviously that's isn't true. where they want to be. They've lost three straight. They have a negative seven goal differential. Yep. Compared to some of the other teams, you know, in the NHL, particularly the Western mm-hmm. Conference, it's, it's not, you know, exorbitantly bad, but it's just a crowded race to, you know, get true. into the playoffs in the East, and it's it's similar to Ottawa where like every game is yep. almost a playoff game at this rate, just because sure. of how close everyone is together. Well, as they say, it's like once uh Thanksgiving American Thanksgiving happens, that's when, you know, if they're um, in the playoffs or not, or like usually mm-hmm. that's the case or that it's already set, but I don't know. You buy into that. Yeah. Um, might, might be our, our next topic. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Jack Hughes returns. Um, he scored a goal in his return as well, so that there's that. But, yeah, of course, that's a huge relief for them. The, the Devils yeah. are still missing Nico Heischer, but, it, you know, looks like the Devils are, you know, of course, they want Jack Hughes back. But um, so, so that's good. Speaking of the NHL standings, the Devils have kind of been hot and cold. They're 8-7-1 yep. on the year. Not terrific. No, but, I, I mean, I think, obviously, Jack having Jack Hughes back will help them. But, yeah. I, I yeah. think, and hopefully he's sure too, because yeah. you mentioned presence is a tough one. Yeah, I don't know when his timetable is, but maybe that's like a bigger reason why they're struggling. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm not worried about them just yet. I don't think the Capitals and Flyers have also been overachieving, so I'm yeah. interested to see how long that continues for. Yeah, I didn't realize the Capitals are, are uh, they're nine and four and two, and they're in second in the Metro. That's yeah, they're eight one crazy. and one in their last ten. It's crazy. Um, also, uh, Aaron Eckblad and Brandon Montour are, have returned as well. They both came back last night. However, what's, what's kind of been funny is OEL has kind of taken their place, um, when they were gone and then he scored a goal, like the game winner OEL did last night. So it's like, I'm, I'm now kind of curious just to see if, oh, what's OEL's role going to be now once like, uh, once, uh, um, once Ekblad and Montour figure things out, but yeah, once once like now the Panthers might be a scary team again. Um, if yeah, their D their D death is scarier than I thought it was going to yep. be because Forsling has also struggled uh, to put up points on the board. He's starting sure. to pick it up as of late, but yep. in previous seasons he was a guy that was like hovering around like forty to forty five points a campaign. Yep. and now you add Montour and Ekblad on top of a decor that already has guys like Epic and Larson on it and Forsling. Like, yeah. uh, they're they're already 11-5-1, and now they're getting even healthier than what they are. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, like, OEL has kind of been, like, what we thought he would be in, in Vancouver. And now, yeah, I guess he just needed a change of scenery and obviously, like... And a new contract. And a new contract, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. But, um, but yeah, it's like, it's, uh, you know, I, I am just curious how that's going to work now because, like, I assume Ekblad's going to take over um, from yeah. what OEL had done, but um, in Montour as well. But um, but yeah, I'm just curious. It's like okay, maybe maybe OEL is like another like um, you know he uh, he came back from from um, the dead basically. Um, so so there's that. Um, and then lastly, uh, the Swedish uh, the the Swedish stuff, <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Ottawa Senators. Uh, the Minnesota Wild and the um, I'm blanking on Detroit the Detroit Red Wings. Detroit Red Wings. They all went to Sweden. 
And um, yeah, so three Atlantic teams and one team in the Central. Although I guess that makes sense because Minnesota does have a few uh, Swedish guys like Joel Eriksson-Eck. Um, I didn't watch any of it, but I did see that Willie Nylander had five points in two games. So of course that's that's great to, for his friends and family to see him play um, and take over like that. Um, and he also has this streak where um, he has 17 straight games with a point to begin the season. Um, I assume that uh, like it's not like a Gretzky level yet, just yet, but um, but I assume eventually it'll be like a franchise record or something to, to start the season because it's it's getting up there where it's like, oh, this is something that we should pay, start paying attention to. It's funny you should mention franchise record because people forget last year Mitch Marner went on a tear. That's right. I forgot about that. I think his point streak was like over 20 games. Okay, okay. But was that a franchise record or? Uh, it was, If I can't remember if it might have been or it's at least up there. Got it. Because okay. I know it was a big talking point in Toronto when it was happening. Um, but yeah, just taking a look also um, at the fact that um, – the way the Leafs were also winning these games too is pretty interesting. They were trailing the Red Wings two to nothing, and then uh, Nealander uh, gets an assist in the third to help cut the lead to two to one on Tyler Bertuzzi's fourth of the year. Then he ties the game with his eleventh of the year, and then he assists on the eventual winner by John Tavares. Uh, in this game, he extends his point streak with uh, a first period equalizer from Austin Matthews. And uh, then in overtime with the game online, he ends up with a worst shot. So <laughs> um, it, the second part of his uh, multi-point game, uh, it's it's the fact that he's coming up clutch in these big moments too is, is what's really impressing me about uh, Nylander's play. Um, a guy that I think a lot of people would consider a sidekick to Matthews and Marner. Yep. Um, now in a contract here, just uh, shooting the lights out. There is also um, this interesting stat that I you know, it's from the Stockholm games. Out of the four games, all of them were decided by a goal. Uh, and three of them went into overtime. Wow. Uh, this game and both of the Detroit games, uh, the first of which, Ottawa went up 4 nothing early in the second period. And then Detroit scored four times to tie it up four before the second intermission happened. Yep. And then they ended up going into overtime. And then Stutzla scores that baseball goal with two seconds left to win it for Ottawa. And then, um, and then uh, also uh, the coming back from two nothing down, uh, the Leafs beat Detroit three uh, two in the third period with, with uh, that uh, Nealander wizardry I just mentioned. Um, and then Ottawa and Minnesota was two one in a shootout. Ottawa won that as well. So it's not just the fact that you know you had a lot of skilled players on all four teams, but it's the fact that every game was close and three of the four went to overtime. There's definitely a lot of drama in these games and i think if you're the league you want to put on a show yep. if you're into you know high scoring or close games uh this global series had a little bit of everything and hopefully the fans were very entertained by it because yep. uh, steve dangle was there uh in sweden he met up with fans from the uk he met, even met a fan from norway as well because you know another part of scandinavia and plenty of Swedes as well. So it wasn't just, you know, everyone from Sweden that was there. It was um, a wide variety of, of hockey fans in Europe that uh, made the trip down there. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to shout out that I did, like, I didn't watch too many of the games, but I did see some highlights. I saw that Marco Rossi had a re very nice goal against, yep. um, yes, the timer's out. Um, Marco <laughs> Rossi had a very nice goal against the your Ottawa Senators. Um, so it's, it's kind of, um, it's like he has, uh, nine points in these, um, um, in, yeah. in, uh, 16 games. I mean, it's not anything. He also got an assist on, today yeah, on, uh, assist the today. game's first goal by, uh, John Merrill. So it's nice to see that cause there was, you know, he was battling with COVID and all that stuff. So it's, it's nice to see mm -hmm. that at least he has something who knows if he'll live up to his potential still, but it's, it's nice to see that it's yeah. like, Oh, maybe there is something here. Um, yeah. and I last, mean, people forget Marcus Naslin started off slow in Pittsburgh, sure. then he got traded to Vancouver, and the rest is history. So, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of examples for sure. Um, mm -hmm. but, um, the other thing I wanted to mention, um, even though I know that the timer is off, <laughs> uh, but I, I was just seeing this on Twitter and all that. 
that uh, Pascal Vincent, the Columbus Blue Jackets coach, he uh, healthy scratched Patrick Line. So um, looks like there's some drama in Columbus. Um, Ooh, yeah. Again with Patrick Line, huh? Well, it's interesting too because I think Johnny Gaudreau was also healthy scratched the other day too. Um, so um, because like Line and Gaudreau didn't play most of the third period and like on Saturday um, or whenever they last played, but. Um, but yeah, so there, there is some, some weirdness that's going on there. Um, yeah, to be fair, um, they are playing Philly right now and they're yep. down one nothing. But uh, I also, if I'm not mistaken, they're on quite the losing streak. Yeah, they've yep. lost eight in a row. Oh wow! And that, and it could be nine if they lose tonight. Although to be fair to Line, a, he was injured for most of the to start the season, so maybe he's just not back yet. But it is, um, yeah, it's, it is weird that he's being healthy scratched again i don't yeah. know yeah either way something's not clicking there. Like, and is, they were hoping that uh, adding yeah. goudreau would help boost right, right, confidence, right. But. but like goudreau is also struggling too so um so it's yeah like, what, do, what do you do when both of your stars are both of your best then, players exactly. are, are struggling yeah so like you just that. hope they figure it out and just keep playing them yeah it's, it's weird so i don't i don't know what's going on but like this happened in winnipeg for line a as well so it's like uh, yeah is happening again um yeah but we'll see um in any case um you can uh follow us on twitter at lace up podcast or um yeah you can also subscribe to us to get new episodes on itunes spotify wherever else you get your podcast um happy thanksgiving everyone um that's about it i'm brett duboff i'm steve ellsworth we'll talk again episode 389 of lace up podcast